Gray Fox. Praise games. Kept you waiting, huh? Hello and welcome to Grey Fox Plays Games, the video game podcast for people who think the greatest dinner party of all time would consist of Gordon Freeman, Alan Wake, Aloy and that goose from Entitled Goose Game and clucking around, playing its harmonica and being a general jerk around the village. Joining me on this podcast this week, Michael Carden Edwards, aka Gamertag Michaelness. How you doing, sir? Are you inferring that I'm the goose that's irritating everyone? No, I think we're all the goose and no one else knows that we're just having a damn good time. I see. Okay. I'm very good, my friend. I'm very, very good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, mate. I'm doing pretty good. My the gamer the gamer shirt for this week, if you can see. I, I can't up. see. Stand up. Devil May Cry. Very good. Ah, yes, yes. An official license, Devil May Cry shirt. Um, I'm starting to run out of really good gamer shirts, to be honest. Every time you start searching, it starts off with dope ones, you know, like a bit of Crash Bandicoot, a bit of Devil May Cry and stuff like that. And then it goes to Player One presented the games. Oh, come on. That's the sort of your nan buys you because you think yeah. you're into video games and you're never going to wear. Anyway, more important, I can see him noddling and giggling along. Producer Moles, how you doing, son? Yeah, I'm good, fella. All is well in the engine room. Or chugging away. I have this. I love to. Although, like, it spoiled the illusion because I can see your lovely face. I like to think of you as like steam steamboat Mickey. They're chugging away, <laughs> <laughs> which did inspire Cuphead. So face, lot of soot everywhere. Takes off the goggles in a perfect, uh, like you know, <laughs> perfect circle. Yeah. <laughs> in the furnace for your electricity, boys. There we go. Absolutely love it. But anyway, let's talk about video games. All we love, all we hate, and all that sweet, sweet fandom in between. Mr. Michael Carden-Edwards, what have you been playing over the last couple of weeks, son? So uh, I've I've gone back in time, my friend. I've gone back in time to a simpler time, in fact. Now, if I were to ask you, what do you think my most played game of all time is, outside of the obvious football manager uh, and then, like, you know, Cop, Provo, and stuff like that. The most played single player game I've Ooh. ever played. I bet it's going to be really left field. I know. I produce Miles has got an answer already. He's known you for a lot longer than I have. But let me let me throw one out there. Just, I reckon it's a real curve. I'm going to say civilization. Oh, you're close. It's well, you're not close. That's up there, <laughs> but it's not that. What do you say, Mr. Moles? It's not Banjo Kazooie, is it? It's not bad. I mean, I've completed Banjo-Kazooie more times than I can count. Banjo-Kazooie is my once a year obligation to complete thing. Essentially, that's what I do once a year. I complete that game and I feel very happy with myself afterwards. No, no. The game that I've gone back to, as I do every couple of months, is The Binding of Isaac. Um, Ah, you, you, you dropped a clue two weeks ago. In episode two, you said that's your most played game of all time, and I should have remembered. Now you've said it. I did. Uh, I love that game. It's um, it's incredible. I play it basically endlessly, and uh, on the Switch, it's obviously absolutely perfect. Uh, for those of you who have played Binding of Isaac before, I have recently... Um, what did I do on it? I've now basically got to the point where I can unlock Mega Satan uh, by getting the two key pieces when you bomb the angels. I have a feeling that once I get Mega Satan and I defeat him, I may feel like I'm fairly competent at the game. But I've now been playing it for probably 500, 600, 700 hours, and I've only scratched the surface. So, yeah, I'm eagerly anticipating the the, the new update that's going to be coming at some point. But 
I, I, here we go. I, I'm ready. I'm gonna be honest, I've never played this game. I know you talk about it a lot, but it actually sounds like the game that Ned Flanders lets his kids play. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like? Give me the 10 second elevator pitch. What is this game? Okay, so you are a baby called Isaac. Uh, you have a grandmother. I believe it's the grandmother who basically watches loads of religious crazy programs. Uh, she then becomes uh, entranced and essentially hears a voice that says she must kill Isaac with a knife. Uh, he's in his bedroom. She comes through the door. He high, he finds a, a, a trap door in his, in his, in his room. He goes in the trap door and that's the game starting. And basically you attack with tears because you're a small child, obviously. And, uh, there's loads of poop and loads of weird <laughs> things that happen. It's one of those games essentially, which is, uh, completely procedurally generated essentially. And you have different floors. You go down like eight floors or so, defeat the bosses as you go. The best thing about it is there are like, a gazillion items, right? Mm. And depending on what you pick up, they all interact with each other. So essentially the game is endless. I had a run yesterday and I was like, and the, the build I got was so overpowered, it was just absolutely ridiculous. And that's the fun of the game. You just go along and nothing tells you what anything does either, basically. So you see an item and you don't have a clue what it does. Until nah, you pick it up. This, sounds like, this sounds pretty dope. And it's, 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 it's amazing. It's really, really amazing. It's kind of like... It, uh hades scratched that itch for a while but i don't i'm not still playing hades i am still playing isaac well that says all you need to know no disrespect to hades but this sounds awesome i've been doing a bit of switch myself actually i've uh i'm a sucker for that nintendo shop sale my boy i love um i love that crash series and crash team racing i got that on the switch and it's it's so joyous i mean come on we know I know you're going to hear it and you're going to say, it's no Mario Kart. Nothing's Mario Kart when it comes to Mario Kart-like games. But Crash Bandicoot uh, Team Racing is not far off. What I really enjoy about it, it's got a little story mode to it. You've got to drive your little car around to go get to your little areas, you know. So I drive my car to one place, I see a level, I'll drive into it. I get a little ability, I maybe get a little bit out, test it around before I get on the track. I enjoy that stuff. It's, it's, it takes me away. It's nice chilling out. So I've heard it's very hard. It is, mate, it is so hard. And I, I'm glad you have said that because I thought I was just bad. But no, it it really is hard. You have to be damn good. Even the first like track you get, it doesn't, it doesn't compromise. You've got to finish first. Otherwise, you don't get the treats. You don't get the, the, the special things to progress with. So I worry about this because I've seen I've seen it in the sale a few times. And I don't know, I don't, you've known me for a very long time, Mr. Flint and Mr. Moles. Um Myself and my former housemate, a certain Mr. Lee Collard, who I host a pot of two halves with every week, um, he, uh, me and him are Mario Kart veterans. Essentially, we know every single secret on every single course in Mario Kart 8. If we don't finish 1-2 in any single online game we play, we're very disappointed. Um, you guys will hate it because this like, there's it. no... Well, that, that, I was worried about this because I was like, I've seen it on sale a bunch or I've seen it a few times and... I've always been like, should we get it, Lee? And it's like, I've heard it's really hard. I like being really good. Unless the, uh... it's, it's, it's also unfair, right? So, for example, other characters will just be faster. Like, if you had a flat-out race, it's not on skill. It's just they will just overtake you. So you've got to think, okay, there's a great power slide you can do, which enables a boost. So you've got to, to utilise all the tricks and things you can think of to get to that. But it is not very forgiving, so, like, the first time you adopt it and get involved, you are like, oh, I came seventh. 
And I've got to literally do it like 50 times before I know the track off by heart. And even then, at any moment, someone could just hit me and then I'm back to seventh and it's bloody again for me. But that being said, it is enjoyable. It's definitely worth the $17.99 or whatever it is on the on the store when it is on sale because it keeps coming back in rotation on sale. I do recommend it. But try and just like, it's like a, I don't know, it's like the, the Bloodborne of Carts games. See how I can describe it. You know, you got to get good uh, before you can progress. And that's right from the start. So that and still buzzing through Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, I gave it the, the 20 minute talk about last week, uh, but I'm progressing in it and it's less buggy now. I think they've done a patch. So that seems to be a lot better. Uh, Mr. Miles has given us that look. Producer Miles is saying that we probably should move on. So let's talk a bit about news over the last couple of weeks because we're here now. We are, it's no longer the pre-recorded stuff from December. This is now the the latest stuff that's going on. So Lucasfilms Games, which by the way, why don't you just call yourself Lucas Games? I, I don't get the Lucasfilm Games. For Can it, someone explain to me? Is, is there some logic there? Or is it just a bit weird? I wish they were just called Lucas Arts. Really, that would be. Um, yeah, and do you remember like they used to have the intro and all their games where it'd be the LucasArts dude, and then he'll get his lightsaber out and fight things in the in the skit at the beginning of the game. Anyway, so yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it, the name and stuff? But I mean, look, that's this this that classic thing where someone gets together with other people and they go, "This is what we're going to call ourselves." Uh, Lucas, I don't think is um, well, the entire company doesn't really have that thing called restraint uh, or. or for that matter, foresight in really any of their properties um, over the last <laughs> couple of years. So, um, yeah, who knows? Like, I'm glad it's nice for them to kind of do this. And it's like, okay, let's see, let's see what they do. Um, yeah. I think as we've kind of discovered over the last uh, couple of days or the last couple of weeks, uh, the big one for me is obviously the Indiana Jones, right? the Indiana mm. Jones game, right? Yeah, definitely, man. So this is the news that Lucasfilm Games is a, now a publisher thing. It's now up and running and they are doing two deals. And it's no longer just the big deal with EA because that deal actually expires in two years time. Uh, but they are now partnering with other games to produce games under their licenses. And one of them, and we'll get to the Star Wars one in a minute, but the one you're talking about is Indiana Jones. They are making a game with Bethesda. And this is interesting, right, for a number of reasons. One, uh, the it's, although it's Bethesda in terms of like the big brand that are taking it, it's the team that made the Wolfenstein games that are actually making this game. And with the exclusivity deal that's going on with uh, Bethesda and Xbox, it's, it's got to be an Xbox exclusive, surely. I don't think they would. Um, I don't think they would hamstring potential revenue like that. I, I, I could see it being more of a timed exclusive if it's going to be exclusive at all. That would be my guess. Mm, I don't, I just, why would you, if you're going to call that money on Bethesda, there's two reasons why you're doing that. One, because you need your back catalogue to be full because you do not have first party studios that are producing the content you need them to. And two, because you don't want it to be on your competitors. Like I don't think Phil Spencer done this for a warm fuzzy of just, I think I don't think timed exclusives is enough to make people jump ship to a different console. Like it basically kills the franchise, not the console. It happened with Tomb Raider, right? They've done timed exclusive with those Tomb Raider games. And those Tomb Raider games are fantastic, by the way. In fact, on PlayStation uh, on PlayStation Network at the moment, as part of your free membership, you can get the latest Tomb Raider game. But that was a timed exclusive, and it kind of faded away into the night because it didn't get the mass appeal of the audience. So I don't have timed exclusives work, in my opinion, but you probably... Oh, I, I, I should, I I should right. stress. Sorry, I talked over you there. I should stress. I don't like timed exclusives either. Um, mm. But I will say, if... Look... An Indiana Jones game in the Wolfenstein guise isn't going to get me to buy an Xbox. I'll be very clear with you here. Um, yeah. The thing that will get me to buy an Xbox 
in all seriousness, is the elder is the next Elder Scrolls game. If that yeah. if that is if that's an exclusive, then I'll go and buy an Xbox. Other than that, not interested. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll play the game at some point in some size, shape, or form. Whether that's uh, at some point I end up uh, going through and going to Xbox at some point and getting it on Games Pass, or you know, like I say, it might be a timed exclusive. But one of the things which um, I do think is going to be kind of cool is that Wolfenstein's a pretty good game about shooting Nazis, <laughs> and Indiana Jones is pretty good at punching Nazis. So I think there's a there's a bit of a synergy there already. And um, I hope. That the irony is that a lot of people are going to be like, oh, this is just like a weird Uncharted or or Tomb Raider, and it's like, well, actually, those things are all inspired by the the movies, right? So it's kind of interesting to see it tie around. Do you think it's interesting that there's going to be an indie movie coming out in about three years' time? Do you think this is going to there's be a, there's an indie movie coming out in three years' time? Yeah, well, give or take. There's a there's another Indiana Jones movie being made at the moment with Harrison Ford coming back for one final time. Yes, Disney announced this at their D twenty three event um, in November last year, and um, the timing scales feels about right. No, they could they could release this. I'm not saying it's a movie tie-in for the record. I definitely do not think it's an official licensed movie tie-in. But what is fascinating is that we're going to have fresh in the public zeitgeist indie because there'll be the movie out and then this this game as well. Oh, it's the hype, right? I mean, that's unless yeah. you want to capitalize on the hype as much as you can. And I think by saying that and by putting that out there, it makes me think that the um, timed exclusive goes away even further because. I think, as Moles has mentioned in our uh, our man in the engine room has mentioned, you know, if the man in if, the chair, if there is a timed exclusive and it goes to PS5, the Microsoft will still make money off the PS5 game sales, right? Because they will be the they're 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 essentially Bethesda, right? And Bethesda mm. as a publisher or who, what have you will still be receiving money every time a copy is sold. But you would want to capitalize on the hype. So if there is a new Indiana Jones movie coming out and it goes does gangbusters then you want to capitalize on that and then go, hello, you've watched the movie, now play the game, even though it's not an official uh, you know, time of the movie, but it's still Indiana Jones and it's a game and it's getting eight and a half out of 10 on IGN. There you go. Um, that that sounds more, that sounds perfect to me. Do you think they'll, I think they've got to use Harrison Ford's likeness, right? They cannot do, uh, I think they'll learn from Crystal Dynamics' mistake with Avengers <laughs> of not going down the likeness of the movie character, especially you cannot think of Indiana Jones without seeing Harrison Ford's glorious face, right? So we need to see that. Could you imagine, right, turning on Star Wars Battlefront 2, okay? Yeah. Going into the hero mode, and mm-hmm. then going through, right, I'm going to be Luke Sky who? I, I, you know, if it's an Uncanny Valley version of Mark Hamill, you're like, this isn't Star Wars. What's this? Just, it's just someone's dad cosplaying as Harrison Ford. Do you know what I mean? And I, I think to, to that degree, you know, with the Avengers films, I see those actors as those characters now. And that's what they will always be for me because that's the biggest they've ever been in the public domain. That's what they're most known as. That likeness is what they are to a lot of people. That's the, you know, a lot of these characters aren't, mainstream vision for example you know he's not exactly ever was a mainstream character before these movies now who's the guy that plays vision paul bettany yeah paul bettany he's vision so whenever i see anything that isn't a comic book and they're talking about vision or if it's not in some kind of cool their own art comic so then the same thing with uh, star wars the same thing with indiana jones if it's indiana jones I'm sorry, bro. It's Harrison Ford. It's been Harrison Ford now for 30 to 40, however many years. So 
that's that's the rule if you ask me i agree anyway in that deal as well was the star wars announcement so ea have an exclusive deal with uh, lucasfilm games at the moment and that deal is a decade long however we are eight years into it which means in two years time it is fair game for anyone to crack on with that and what we have cracking on with this is ubisoft or ubisoft wherever you're on the world however you want to pronounce that but those guys are going to be taking on the star wars franchise and releasing a open world game now Everyone knows I love a Ubisoft open world game. Mikey, I know you're, you're probably looking at this going, not for me, bro. But what's your, your thoughts on this? Ah, this is difficult. Whilst I do not enjoy your Assassin's Creeds of the world and your let's climb a tower, reveal some of the map, and oh, look, I'm now spammed to death with a thousand different icons, all of which are completely useless to me. Um, if it's got Star Wars on it, um, I might be intrigued. Just lean in to the history of some of the best games we ever had, right? So imagine Knights of the Old Republic, but on modern consoles with Ubisoft, taking all the good stuff that Ubisoft can do. Well, they can do a good open world game and they can do some pretty cool things. Learn from the mechanics of Jedi Fallen Order. And uh, I'm going to go with producer Mole's suggestion in the chat here of let me play as Mando. Yes, doing a bounty hunting game. Like Imagine like you, you can see an open world game where you're a bounty hunter and you're just going out chasing Jedis. That is chef's kiss awesomeness. Um, but I think this could be a good thing, man. Like I, I generally do. I know a lot of Star Wars fans uh, over Twitter went absolutely sort of nuts in both directions, but I'm very much in the camp of let's see what they can do. The only thing is, is that there have been so many failed Star Wars projects over the last 10 years that didn't even make it to production. Um, I just hope this doesn't become one of those urban myths that we'll be talking about for years to come. Of, oh, do you remember that, that Ubisoft Star Wars game that never happened? Like, what was that one? 1313, where they even had like a... a a high fidelity uh, tech slice like a couple of years ago. And it looked incredible. It looked like Uncharted meets mm. first person shooter meets Star Wars. Um, but yeah, I'm, 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 I know recently, Mr. Michael, you've really been getting into your Star Wars lore. Uh, so well, I, I put the question back to you. What would you want to see in this? Um, well, this, so right, right. So you asked me earlier what games I've been playing and there's actually one other game I've been playing a little bit of as well. Now, Look, we do a video game podcast, so that kind of paints a picture as the type of people we are, okay? Um, Damn good time people. That's what we are, mate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I've been obviously watched The Mandalorian season one and season two. That got me in the Star Wars zone, and I've been thinking about Star Wars a lot. And um, I've played The Knights of the Old Republic one and two. They were really, really good. And I was like, I want something like that. I don't want a Fallen Order. I don't want a Jedi Academy that you can get for the Switch, like four quid today or something like that. I want something story rich i want something that i can really sink my teeth into turns out you said a minute ago that they had failed projects over the last 10 years there is one project that came to light uh in 2011 i believe it was which was star wars the old republic which was the world of warcraft uh competitor but star wars that that sounds pretty dope so let me talk to you about this game because I've been playing it a little bit recently and it's amazing. So um, they continually add free expansions to it. It's now completely free to play, right? Nice. They they released the last expansion to, I believe, last year. Um, so they're still doing stuff to it. It's hit Steam. Okay, now it's now as you can play it via Steam and that massively increased the, the player base. People still play it and they've taken away a lot of the horrible MMO grindy rubbish that you don't like kill five gimmicks and then you know all that rubbish basically now it's essentially knights of the old republic three um it's made developed by bioware as well and essentially 
you can go in and as you talked about a minute ago, if you want to be a bounty hunter, you can go and be a bounty hunter. Um, I started as a Jedi Knight because I was like, yeah, I'll be a Jedi Knight. And basically it's story rich. Everything is voice acted. So far, I'm only like an hour into it, but or an hour or two into it. I'm loving it. And this is, this is, I want something, if I'm going to be transported into Star Wars, I want to feel it. I want, I want rich story. That's what I want. But with also the iconic characters, that's key to me as well. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I was listening to a, uh, a very well-known video game podcast talking about their view on, on the Star Wars news. And I kind of, everyone seems to have an opinion over, I don't just want a game about Jedis. I don't just want a game where I do this. I want like a detective game where I'm like a droid or I'm like a bull running around. No, you don't. Let's be honest, you don't. It's like people who say, we're worried about the Batman games. Going, oh, why can't, why's it always got to be fighting games? Why can't I be a detective for once? You skip through the detective mode as fast as you effing can so you can go do the fighting stuff again, right? So let's stick to what we want. We want the stuff we remember. We want the stuff we see on the screen. We want the characters that we love and know. And we also want the story of a video game to be told in a compelling medium. And it can be done in so many different com- in compelling ways. So just bring all that together. If they can do that, then you have my money. Uh, speaking about a million souls cried out at once in horror is a million voices that have been crying out about uh, CD Projekt Red. I know I don't want to keep this to be like every time of let's check in on Cyberpunk, but the story does keep progressing week to week. Now, the latest on this is that CD Projekt Red have been having uh, to deal with legal lawsuits as in they are getting a bunch of like i don't know how to describe it subpoenas i don't know if this is like in on an individual basis or like they're all gathered into one or is it like every morning someone comes in with a big old sack do 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 what's this children's letters to santa no it's actually all the letters of people suing us because we won't get refunds on this it's just insane how this story is developing right um Yes. And I think (laughs) if you were to, I think this is the funny thing about it, right? Cyberpunk 2077 was meant to be the game following after the Witcher three or the hype. Uh, You know, this is going to be net the next level from the Witcher three. Okay. And I can't remember a game that's failed quite so spectacularly. Um, The fact that you can only really play it on a high end PC is just bizarre. Do you know what I mean? Like, what are they doing? What are they doing? I know people that have purchased this game and they have a base PS4 and it's like, oh, can't play that then. Yeah, I've got a few friends who have have got it and they've got PS5s and playing it on backwards compatibility mode. And they're in denial. I keep telling them, oh, no, no, man, it's really dope. It's a dope game. I was like, I keep seeing videos of people that get GTA 5, a game that was made eight years ago, and then comparing that to things you can do in cyberpunk and putting them side by side like for example when you get out the car in gta 5 you can shoot your tires and when you try and shoot your tires on cyberpunk nothing happens when you go to the ocean it's pretty pretty very uh, uh copy and paste segments in the same areas where that rich enlightenment in gta 5 to be fair they've done so much crunch that when your character if he's wearing just underwear goes into any form of water his testicles shrink like that's i'm not saying every game has to go to that level of detail but it is still amazing that a game that's eight years old is actually still beating the fidelity of a game that's supposedly cutting edge supposedly pushing the generation to its max and uh is supposed to be making use of all this new technology yet um it's yeah i don't know who's at fault here developers probably not stakeholders probably managers probably not being able to go between the two of them um that we'll keep reporting on it because it is part of the zeitgeist and part of things that are going on in here but uh, they did release a roadmap recently and uh, in that roadmap they were talking about um where they're going to be doing their next gen update and a 
they don't give any dates. They do this, you know, here's a roadmap, patch, 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 big old space of time, and then next-gen update. And we are looking, I think, at Q4 of this year before it's even going to be actually patched up to make the best out of next-gen consoles, which I'm quite surprised at how late that's coming. I think if you want to go and play a cyberpunk-type game anytime in the next year, go and play Deus Ex uh any of the games maybe mankind divided that was quite good go and play those games because there's no point playing cyberpunk 2077 unless you have a face meltingly good pc um but yeah i mean again mr moles i do love you comes in with the snippets of of news that we need to know so the decision to release the game was made by its board of directors and had nothing to do with the development team that says everything you need to know about the current state of the video game industry (laughs) <laughs> and i have to say thank you for prompting us on that moles yeah okay maybe maybe you're you're right like i said i don't know who's at fault here um on the, of that but what i do know is that it's going to take a lot to get that back and i know that you know sometimes it is really hard to to not point fingers at people but the truth is, is that we were promised a product and the product was not up to standard and when it's not up to the standard then as a consumer you have the right to to reject it right i can see a hand up from mr michael well, this, well, this what I was going to say is, I mean, this moves us on to kind of the next topic of conversation, right? Which is the Hogwarts legacy being delayed into 2022. Now, um, they come out with a message saying, uh, we would like to thank fans from around the world on the tremendous reaction to the announcement of Hogwarts legacy from our port key games label, creating the best possible experience for all of the wizarding world and gaming fans is paramount to us. So we are giving the game the time it needs. Hogwarts legacy will be released in 2022. Now, um, in the words of the great... Shigeru Miyamoto, who I've predicted his name, um, a delayed game is eventually good, but a rushed game is forever bad. Now, he's the creator of Super Mario and Zelda. I didn't know. Um, He knows his onions. The guy knows his onions, right? Now, there are some exceptions. I mean, I would suggest that No Man's Sky um, has become become very good over its time. Fair play, play, Um, Mr. Murray. But... I think that 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 especially now where the first reaction to things is kind of key, uh, something gets released and the only thing a lot of people care about is the Metacritic scores straight off the bat. Yeah. Um, and it's very much we are in that age where news travels quickly and then it gets forgotten about. Um, or not forgotten about, but that initial reaction is the thing that people think of. Um, and it takes a hell of a push to change the mind of that initial first reaction to something from something negative yeah. to something positive. You can only so, make the first impression once, right? You've basically said what I wanted to say in a very concise way. So thank you for that, Mr. Flint. Um, <laughs> but that basically sums it up for um, CD Projekt Red. They've got an uphill battle on their hands here. And the guys that are making Hogwarts Legacy, I put it in as my one of the games I was looking forward to this year. Like, I ain't getting a PS5 this year anyway, so huh, doesn't really make much difference to me, bruv. Uh, so, yeah, fair enough. Bring it when it's ready. Agreed. Uh, speaking out stuff that clearly isn't ready yet, uh, we talked about last week about this potential leak of a Nintendo Direct event, and we went through it in in painstaking detail about all the hype, you know, possibilities that come. It turns out it was all bull. And we have no idea if there's going to be a Nintendo Direct anytime soon, or indeed if there's going to be a Nintendo Switch. Now, there's loads, sorry, a Nintendo Switch Pro, I should say. There's been loads of think pieces across Forbes and and very other technology driven. Uh, verticals within other media outlets giving their hypotheses and analysts apparently there's analysts out there who just spend all their day predicting consoles and when things are coming out apparently analysts all agree that there will be a switch pro very soon but no word from the big dogs at I mean, nintendo just yet switch pro is written into source code of games that are coming out that have been oh, really? 
Like it's there. It's in you. Like people have extracted it, extracted it from from files. From what I understand, like it's gonna happen. But it's just knowing when, where, how, what. You know, that's the thing we don't know. So, mate, I would do that to wind people up, though. If I was a developer working on a AAA game, I would hide in the source code something that will really get people talking. Like I don't know, like uh, GTA Six plugin or something yeah, like that, do or, I mean? or, or Fortnite skin. <laughs> just that just that not even if, uh, there could be no truth to it but it would just be hilarious if like just the internet blows up because of some source code that you snuck in and no one saw just you know uncharted five <laughs> yeah yeah exactly nathan drake just just just, just nathan drake out of context completely um okay. just to round off off news let's talk about uh the unfortunate events that have been going on in the last couple of days in the uk no we're not talking about brexit or the coronavirus although that's very serious let's talk about the playstation 5 launch and the relaunch that's been happening since january now yesterday uh game uk the uk supplier for for video games believe it or not um they dropped some ps5s across their their live website with no notice even though they keep offering services to get uh email notifications which again begs the question what are you doing with our data and if you're not going to be emailing us then what the, why the hell have you got our email addresses but um scalpers once again have got their first it's to be believed anyway because at around two o'clock uk time uh the, they went up about two thousand consoles and unfortunately they were snapped up in a matter of seconds in fact it is believed it took around 10 seconds for all of these now i uh we contacted game and I should point out they did respond to us and they sent us to a web page where they've given us a official statement. So I will read the statement and see, read and says what you will. PS5 continues to be in very high demand and that demand far outweighs our current supply. We have strong measures in place to ensure that only one per customer statement is, man- sorry, is maintained and allowed for individual customers to successfully purchase. All pre-orders are subject to automatic checks and order updates such as cancellations following these checks take place after a consumer will have received a valid confirmation email. Now, they're not saying if those measures were in place yesterday. And I refuse to believe that these measures are in place because I have been one of those people trying to purchase a PS5. There's been no validation. There has been no registration. There has been no two-factor authentication. There's not even a catcher on the sales journey. It's just go ahead, fill your boots, mate. And uh, I you know, thank you, game, for responding to us. And I appreciate that. And we will contact you in future on other endeavors. But I ain't buying that they've done anything to actually stop scalpers. What's your thoughts on this, boys? Yeah, I agree, to be honest with you. Um, I think it's a uh, it's quite a serious issue. Um, not in, you know, I say serious, there's more serious things in the world, as you, as you mentioned earlier. But it's that it's the whole thing of you know, especially being locked down, especially during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. I don't have kids. You guys both have kids. If those kids were at the age where all they wanted was a PlayStation Five to be happy, and maybe their best friend has one, and they can't go to their best friend's house to play it, but they could play online if they both had a PS Five, and now that kid who wants a PS Five more than anything else in the world is continually disappointed they can't get hold of one. That's a very tricky position to be in as a father, as a parent. And it's just disappointing. Like, I want a PlayStation 5. Like, we all do. But there is, like, I'm old enough that I can handle it. When I was a child and I really wanted a PlayStation 2 or a PlayStation 1, I handled it things a little bit differently. (laughs) And um, I think it's very disappointing and very cynical of of just the industry in general, because I saw that the scalpers were basically boasting that they'd bought. Oh, mate, if you're a scalper and listen to this, go f*** yourself. 
Exactly. And it's just, it's just really disappointing. Um, really, really disappointing. That, that's kind of the only thing I can really say. Mr. Mr. Moles, the man in the chair, would like to speak. Speak, my son. Yes. So uh, Curry's PC World had an allocation of PS5s yesterday morning that went up for sale at uh, 8 o'clock. It was this morning. Was that this morning as well? Yeah, it was this so morning. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it's definitely yesterday, so maybe they're releasing it in tranches. But yesterday I went on about, uh, must have been 25 to 9, okay, so 35 minutes. Just went to kind of Curry's PC World. And I was placed in a queue. Great. Website's got a queuing system. It's fantastic. But on the queuing page, it told me that they had already sold out of PS5s. But yet I was 196,000th and something in the queue. Now, you telling me that there's 196,000 people sitting there in the UK waiting at the web page. And yet there's still a notice on there saying that they've already sold out. I ain't buying that. No, I agree with you. There might be 196,000 people in the queue, but I think they're virtual. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. Through investigation, we realised it was Rebecca Vardy. No, it was... um, (laughs) No, I agree with you, man. It's it's clearly they are not doing enough for a consumer to actually make sure genuine purchases are being made for people who actually intend to keep the product. Now, let's just get one thing straight. I applaud entrepreneurialism. I applaud people that go and get exclusive sneakers off a one-time designer and sell them for a truckload of money on X, uh, X stock, whatever it's called. This is not that. This is a commodity item that everyone wants, and you are not adding. There's not ex, an ex, the exclusivity is not because of limitations that have been made. The limitations are there because of supply, which means it's a supply issue, and you should not be contributing to that because you are actually contributing towards the the uh, the, the downfall of a lot of people. Because what's happening is it's not smart people that are going to these scalpers and spending three or four grand. It's people who probably don't have the money or shouldn't be spending that money, and for that, you're scum, in my opinion. I agree. Awkward silence there. But uh, <laughs> what I do enjoy reading about is all the people that are giving the scalpers what they deserve. I was listening to one guy in Edinburgh who is a builder who basically saw on a Facebook scalp group someone's going, oh, I've got one nearby in the area, like 800 quid. Geezer was like, okay, great. Meet me at this building site. And he said, oh, you're going to transfer the money? He goes, I'll transfer you a tenner now to show you I'm eager. But if you meet me here, I'll give you the rest in cash. Guy goes, great gets the geezer to turn up at a building site, gets him to wait in the car park for half hour, rings him again, and he goes, what's happening? I've got your your PS5 here. And literally got the entire building site to throw stuff at his car. They says, no, I'm not buying it, mate. Get the hell out of here. And I'm not applauding bullying or picking on people, but couldn't have happened to a nicer scalper. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's the latest news that we've been talking about over the last week. If there's something that we've missed, please get in contact with us on Twitter at GreyFoxPlays. But tonight, oh baby, tonight, there's going to be a showcase of the latest and greatest news coming from not only Capcom, but the folks that are making Resident Evil. And me and Mr. Moles are going to be pulling that apart in amazing nerding detail in a recording that we're going to be sticking in here. But obviously, Mr. Michael, I know this is not your dig. And for me and Mr. Moles, this is our gig. So I'm only saying, I'm I'm here for the wheel. (laughs) <laughs> he's here i'm only here for the wheel so we'll put that in next but obviously it's going to be me and moles in the future talking about this so enjoy
Underwhelming. But still, it's like pizza. Even when it's bad, it's good. Mr. Moles, Resident Evil Showcase. Uh, first of all, let's talk about these showcases, okay? So they've started doing... This will be, I think, like the fourth one they've done in the last five years. And bear in mind, the first time they've done this was just after the re-release of Resident Evil Zero and Resident Evil Remake coming onto the current-gen PlayStation 4s and Xboxes. And it got such hype that that led to the remake for Resident Evil 2. And they announced it's very infamous. The producer stood in front of a, a camera and just popped open a shirt and says, we do it. And it was such hype and it was incredible. And every time they've done a showcase since then, it's been amazing because it's been, okay, they've done their story of getting to Resident Evil 2. They then done the demo of Resident Evil 2. And then last year when we had the showcase for Resident Evil 3 and they've done an amazing announcement. So it's fair to say that expectations were quite high for this showcase, also being the 25th year for Resident Evil. What was your thoughts? Yeah, I was expecting something like not too unexpected, but like uh, maybe a, a bam. Look, here's a first look at RE4 remake. That would have been yeah. fantastic. That would have been a, like the cherry on the cake, so to speak. So we always knew Village was coming. We knew it was going to be mostly about Village. But what they produced as kind of that, hey, here's our, you know, here's our moment, <laughs> our shirt ripping opening moment. It, yeah, just, just it's flat, wasn't it? So I mean, let's, let's, before we go into the Resident Evil 8 stuff and all that sort of stuff, I mean, the general show hosted by Brittany from uh, What's Good Games, excellent job. She's an amazing Resident Evil fan, and it's great that they got someone like her hosting it. Um, but it was, it all, it was all sizzle and no steak, really, wasn't it? Um, it yeah. yeah, it just, it felt kind of rushed as well. It, why wasn't it just a, this could have been a tweet. It could have been a, hey guys, yeah. here's a demo for Resident Evil 8. Oh, by the way, there's another game coming more than that another time. You know, that's it, it could have been it could have been that and you know a, another demo like a final you know showcase demo or trailer as you call it and then they bam pre-orders open now for may 7th that is it that's all they should have done to be honest mm. without that massive pow moment which i feel was completely lacking yeah, they they could have got away with not having a showcase. Because I mean, what well, let's great? let's not kick it too much, man. Let's let's go straight in. Let's just talk about let's talk about the meat of this. Like you say, Resident Evil Village. That's the that is the one. So we we got some new pieces of information, not just the gameplay stuff as well. So first of all, with Ethan Ethan Winters, this is believing to be the conclusion of his story. So this is not going to be like a going from seven onwards it's Ethan it's a there was a story in seven this is very much a sequel to that story in terms of it ties in uh, what happened with Mia and they went and had a daughter and all that great stuff and interesting direction they're going in there um do you think this with that in mind do you think this might be the last time they do first person oh I don't know I I think it depends how well this one does Hmm. then and kind of what we don't know too much of the story yet but how it ends will i think will depict on what if they do it again maybe they do a trilogy of ethan in first person and then that will be the conclusion a two-part story is fine it's not a problem but if fans want more and it sells well well yeah this is it money talks right we should point out we have no more information about the game than you do in the public domain so if we stumble upon a potential spoiler it is purely coincidental so please do not come after us in later on and you if you are really trying to stay cold on this then probably best not to listen to what we're about to talk about but um, a few things from this though so one um from resident evil 7 by the way 
absolutely loved it. It's a great new addition to the Resident Evil 4 lore. Um, one of the things which Moles talks about actually in the episode that we're splicing this into is that Resident Evil 4 really did change the game in terms of bringing in a new perspective. It literally did bring in a new perspective of playing games. And Resident Evil 7 very much felt like that in terms of it introduced to first-person mode. Now, this game, Resident Evil Village, is very much a spiritual sequel to resident evil 4 right in terms of it's going for a village aesthetic it's bringing in some gameplay elements even the producer was saying during the the showcase we're going to bring in the inventory system from resident evil 4 oh, the, is, duke. All right. <laughs> the merchant is back he's called the duke and he's some sort of huge merchant gun you know, you know, villain he's got all sorts of back what's going on there that's great i love the you know what he looked like back. you know do you remember the movie blade Blade, yes. You know, he Blade goes and sees one. that fat vampire. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> the Duke looks like him. Yeah. I know, but I love the fact that the inventory is back and you can craft and find stuff to make better weapons and upgrade. I love that. Yeah, actually, all right. while we're talking about the crafting and stuff, so like miserable detail number one spotted by Flinty is that when they were showing the, the suitcase, uh, they were showing that you can reposition everything, including your ammo. So it's not just your ammo is one slot. You have a, your clip is two squares, and you can adjust that around. But I noticed in one square was what looks like a knife. Okay? And you thought, okay, cool. It's a knife, Adam. Knife You're pulling it here, mate. It's just a knife. You have a knife in Resident Evil games. Now, have a knife. The, the icon for that knife is different to the knife icon in the Duke store. They show the store, the Duke, you can have different guns and there's a different knife icon. Now you're going, Adam, different knives. I don't really care. Are you going to go, let's... are you going down the machete route here? Potentially, because when you see a clip later on, when they, they cause they done the 10 minute demo thing. And then they done the dev dive where they had a developer talking about this and they showed the same clips from the trailer, but without it being cinematic, but with the HUD on now. So you can see the health and all that sort of stuff. And they shot a guy down who was carrying a knife. Oh, sorry, a machete. He drops the machete, and just for a split second, the pickup icon appeared above I the machete. That. Yeah, so, Flinty prediction for this game. They are introducing melee weapons for for uh, first-person for first view combat, a la Dying Light, uh, Left for Dead, and uh, Dead Island, that sort of thing. Now, that's going to be interesting to introduce that sort of thing in this sort of game. Yeah, uh, flaming pitchforks and all that could be coming. It could be. It could be. Now, I'm this think, is the only I'm thinking back to RE4 when what the villagers used to have. They used to wield pitchforks and all sorts of. If they drop that and you can pick it up, it's going to be hell of a fun time. Yeah, exactly. Oh. I don't know if that clashes too much with the, the the sort of dynamic they've set up here. As you, you mentioned very elegantly in previous pods about how Resident Evil Seven really did bring it back in terms of. If you go from Resident Evil 4 to 6, it was in an arms race with itself of it's got to be bigger. There's got to be more weapons. The bad guys have got to be more bubbly, bubbly and action oriented. And 7 managed to drive it back. Now, I know a lot of people have got hang-ups with the the second, uh, sorry, the final third of that game. Um, and we'll come to that in a moment. But what I thought it balanced perfectly was for about five, six hours of that game, you barely have got a weapon. You've got a handgun and you've got very, very limited ammo. And the gun might as well have been a water pistol because the bad guys were basically bullet sponges anyway. So, like, I do not... I, what I fear 
is that they just go, and also it went in with the narrative. Ethan is not a soldier. He has not experienced these things from Resident Evil 4 lore. He's trying to find his wife and he's having some really weird crap happening to him. And that means he's not very good at firing and he becomes better over the course of the game. But he is not the badass Chris Redfield-esque biceps as big as a house guy. He's just, yeah, he's just a, a guy who can make it a little bit as a survivor. Yeah. So, yes, there'll be a progression, but I don't want it to become like an Arnie movie a la Eraser running around blowing people up, right? What's yeah, your thoughts no, on that? I, I, yeah, I want it to to be – I mean, the setting is perfect. It's like RE4 setting. It's first person. It's horror. It's got a kind of gothic feel to it. Yeah. You know, like the mansion and the village and the grave. What we've seen so far from the demos is the graveyards. It's kind of gothic, and we've – We've got this new uh, kind of set of villains, so to speak. It's almost got a kind of a cult feeling to it, much like four. Yeah, uh, but you know they're they're slightly different now. We've got almost a supernatural twist on it, with you know bugs manifesting into people. It's well, like, it, they're clearly pulling on, on the, the vampiric stuff, right? So let's talk about the the antagonists uh, for this for this game. So. What we know and what we see from what we can establish is that, yeah, there's some form of cult status happening in this village. It all orchestrates with a mansion, which is, I assume, attached the to the, the village. Yeah, the castle. The castle, yeah. And if you look at the aesthetics of that castle, it is very, very similar to the aesthetics in the castles in Resident Evil 4. Do you remember that little goblin guy who used to pop up on the rip-off codec from Metal Gear Solid? Oh, hey, I'm coming to get you, Leon! Um, very much echoes of that sort of stuff. There is clearly a... A, a sisterhood of uh, cultists that are led by one particular giant lady, and we'll come to her in a moment because the whole internet is thirsting for her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but essentially, there's, there's this cult of sisters where there's one particular like person in charge, and I don't think she's the big, big bad because she even says it in the... You yeah. even see it in the trailer. She's on the phone to her actual boss just yeah, going... on the phone to Mother Miranda. So, you know, maybe maybe... Maybe she'll make an appearance as like some sort of super boss or something, or maybe she won't make an appearance. Who knows? Okay, we know who the big, big bad is, and we have seen who the big bad is, and I mean that in height. Jesus Christ, this is a tall lady. This giant woman will kill us all. And other than obvious reasons, the internet has gone bonkers for her, haven't they? They really have, and some of the fan art on the on the internet at the minute is it's good. There's all sorts of different styles going on, but they very much focus on one area, and everyone <laughs> knows what area I'm talking about. But yeah, she's a, a giant tall lady. hand, a giant hand. Yes, <laughs> she's a tall lady. I mean, in one scene of the demo, she ducks through a doorway, and I can only yeah. assume that this is just a normal sized doorway, um, yep. or a normal sized doorway for the period of the castle, which is bigger than a normal door we have today. So yep. she's it's been be- it's been estimated that she is between eight and nine foot tall based on gothic doorways being at a height of something like six foot five inches. So if that's the if that's the basis of what you're going like you're, what everyone's going off of, that is huge. Why is she huge? And her hands are so big when she just grabs him and, and, and holds him up. And yes, obviously there is kind of a bit inside you going, She's kinda of hot, but at the same time you're thinking, you know this is Resident Evil, she ain't gonna look like that. Yeah, you know, two thirds of the way through, she's going to become a big bubble mess, yeah. like, like all bosses do. Even like that, it's two people, one on top of the other. <laughs> <laughs> I think you like, just unveiled a spoiler there. It's, yeah, it's, it's near oh, yeah. on top of on top of another another person's shoulders it in happens, and out. Oh, uh, but yeah, she's she's a very tall lady, and you know, the, 
I thought in the stills it was all about perspective because you know I thought that until yeah. other people started showing you stuff on the internet. You go, oh, actually, she is just a giant woman. Yeah, and then like you know, you're is the first person perspective of Ethan, and he gets knocked to the floor, and you're looking up. But when you then compare her against these daughters of her that are probably you know normal sized, fully grown women, you think, well, she's got another third on them. <laughs> least so you're like yeah she's tall she's like eight foot plus you know you're gonna have to lean back with the controller when you're gonna have to try and go for the headshot <laughs> yeah that's the whole thing yeah you get headshots from a distance but i like that i do like the aesthetics and obviously other than the obvious aesthetics but i like the uh the design style they've gone with i've got a very hocus pocus vibe of like the three three sisters around yeah, her sort of thing that, that gothic vibe and the vampiric vibe is it's different from what we've seen. Have you noticed the, the three daughters or sisters, however you want to describe it, they're all wearing some form of neck collar, and on that neck collar is a red jewel, very similar to the sort of jewel that Jill wears in Resident Evil 5 when she's under mind control. Yeah, so maybe. We maybe there's something in that. Maybe. You know, I, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, each one of those daughters represents something individual. Oh, they're clearly bosses, aren't they? It's like the family in Resident Evil 7. There's, there'll be the matriarch of the family, who's probably the last one, who's going to be this giant lady. And then you will go through, I imagine, areas either of the castle or maybe even up from the village to the castle. Each one of them will be a boss. I think it kind of writes itself that, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that's set that up quite nicely. And then let's, let's not forget another villain that we saw, which was this Van Helsing-looking guy with a big hammer in the base. Oh, he looks awesome, didn't he? Yeah, like- Do you think he's the brother um, that's being referred to on the phone because Ethan gets locked up in a dungeon of some kind and he escapes. And then we see the clip with the Van Housing dude going, let's see what you got, Ethan, and well, have that big fight. And she's yeah. on the phone saying he escaped because of my brother. Yeah, so it could be that. Or it could be her brother ties back to Seven as part of the Baker. Ah, maybe she's part of the Baker. Oh, I don't know. That would be a bit too... I mean, it's very Resident Evil to well, do they don't, You remember, it's Resident, it is, but again, it's another tie back to the previous Ethan. Please story. don't make her a Spencer. Like, um, there's no. the Spencer family's too, too already, like, complicated. Yeah, but you could think this is RE. They could be brother and sister created in a lab or something. I don't know. Or, you know, they might not even be relatives. They could be brother and sister through some other... If they're brother and sister in Resident Evil, they want to... <laughs> like every brother and sister in Resident Evil have some dodgy Game of Thrones esque relationship between them, but uh, but oh, yes, I, I agree with you. The dude looks very cool. Like, I just hope they don't link it to. Like, what I loved about again about Resident Evil Seven is it didn't try to tie off every loose end from Resident Evil lore. It just done a slight narrative in of oh, there's a little link to Umbrella, and that's about it. And I hope that's the case with this. I don't want it to turn around and go. Actually, it was Wesker. You know, I don't want it to be. Right. That's not, let's not make it cheesy, Ari. That's that's not. Um, yeah, let's keep it separate. Obviously, they've like you say, they've got this kind of cult, this su- almost supernatural. But at the end of the day, it's going to be something to link back to Seven. So, what well, we me know is the, the, the connecting tissue, right? Yeah. So, what we know from the demo, if you, if you watch it with close eyes, so we've got uh, some vampiric lady sisterhood of daughters. She calls them. Uh, and some sort of ceremony that she goes on about. Yeah. We also know from the um, gameplay um, demo that you, uh, you play as Ethan and you're there to investigate and find your kidnapped daughter. Yeah. So 
We don't know her oh. name, but in one of the screenshots, when it showed the menu for a brief second, it showed the objective and it said, find Rose. Now, I don't know if Rose is the name of the daughter or it could be just a narrative point in the film. But yeah, it's there. It's So after the events of Resident Evil 7, Ethan and Mia went and found some domestic bliss, had a kid. We have seen in previous videos that someone breaks into their house and that someone is Chris Redfield and shoots Mia. Now, I don't think Mia's dead because from the, if you see from Resident Evil 7, she gets bloody nearly killed all the time, right? You know, she, uh, no one stays dead in Resident Evil, just you know, unless you fall into a volcano like Wesker did in Resident Evil 5, even though he'll still somehow come back, right? And also we have seen in this new video a picture of Chris looking a little emo. Everything's in black, you know, he's looking all shizzled like he maybe, maybe he's not in control of himself. And we know that mind control stuff has happened. It happened in loads of Resident Evil 7. Think back to Jill with the mind control thing on her chest. Handing over a baby. You see him handing over a baby. So you so can maybe... All maybe they're trying to throw us off the scent, but... Eh. Yeah, it's all tying together. So yeah, you're, you're Ethan... In a village, maybe that's the village you move to. Who knows? Big castle, kidnapped daughter, cult vampiric kind of sisterhood, uh, and a big boss lady. There are werewolves as well. Remember, we have seen pictures of, well, they haven't called them werewolves yet, but they're people that are turning into these dark-looking wolf-like creatures, mm-hmm. which is fair to say they're probably werewolves. And, you know, 90% of vampiric stories have a werewolf connection as well. So you wouldn't be surprised if that is actually the, the case they, they play on this route. So, yes, it, it, the, the story sounds kind of good. I think from what we know that his daughter's been kidnapped probably for this ceremony, maybe something's going to happen to this baby and be brought into the system. Who knows? But, you know, that that's the kind of general consensus of what we know so far of the story. Do you want one of one or two things is going to happen? Okay. Either one, it will do what every Resident Evil game does, which, by the way, I am absolutely fine with, which is it turns out there was a secret lab under the castle, and then you have to go spend a third of the game in some white office, which has had an outbreak, and then there'll be some form of boss, and then you need to escape before it blows up. I'm down with that. That's Resident Evil for me. That's cool. Or do you want it to do something different? Uh, Do you know, I I think something different would be good. I mean, Seven, the storyline for Seven was... You know, most kind of two thirds of the game very, very different until you get to the tanker, and then it goes back. Oh, here's Resident Evil Lab. Here it is. <laughs> so, yeah, you could be right. There could be a secret lab. I hope there's not. I hope the ties back to the story of Seven and is a conclusion, um, or it could be that this is a completely different story, and the ties back to Seven being uh, the connections are now doing something different with mm. uh, viruses and the kind of it's not it's now not mind control it's now some sort of vampiric werewolf kind of story and they lead us down that path who knows i hope it's a it's a good standalone story that has a tie back to seven and that is the only tie back to yeah. seven. there's not going to be a secret lab i hope there's not i mean uh, one of the things i think they finally learned with seven was everyone wants the feels of the original resident evil games in fact resident evil 6 they wrote a whole chapter and they might as well have called it we're going to do a sequel to two because you're going to be leon and there's going to be zombies and it's going to be great because it's in our current gen controls and it turned out to not work Mm. and they then realized okay if people want those feels from those original games Let's not try and do like a Simpsons parody of retelling the same story again and again and again. 
let's just go back and remake those games. So those people who are absolutely dying for their fix of being back in Raccoon City will put you back in Raccoon City. Have Resident Evil 2, have Resident Evil 3. We might even remake Outbreak someday, which I was hoping for. Unfortunately, there was nothing about it in this showcase. And we're going to go forward. And we obviously will pay tribute to the fact that there is a story that has brought us here. So we might talk a little bit about Tricell, might talk a little bit about Umbrella. Chris Redfield's in it, but he's not necessarily the, it's not the Chris Redfield from before. We're going to change the narrative slightly. And that's good. And I agree with you. Like, uh, although, you know, it wouldn't be a Resident Evil game without a, a countdown at the end and you've got to get out before it blows up, right? You want a little bit of homage, didn't you, to the original kind of storylines? Yeah. Well, they talked about what they were doing looking forward with Resident Evil Village. Now, this being the 25th anniversary of said franchise, long may it continue, um, they come up with a surprise. Now, they have taken some of their, they're playing by their own playbooks, and I completely applaud them in terms of they said, okay, Red, same with Ally Resident Evil 7. The, when they announced it properly and gave the showcase, they didn't announce it was going to come in May, which is what they're doing this time around. They also said the demo is available right now, and it's not a demo of the game. It's a demo of a room which gives you a feel for the story and all that sort of stuff, but it's actually nothing to do with the actual game yeah. narrative stuff. They've, they've, done exactly the thing. they've done exactly the same thing again, haven't they, with this? But then with Resident Evil 3, when they've done their showcase, they've gone, ah, oh, just one last thing. We've got a really cool multiplayer game that we're going to stick in for free with Resident Evil 3 Remake with Resistance. And uh, we'll talk about Resistance another time, but it's got its little place in 4Law. Uh, it's okay. It's not, not, it's not amazing, but it's not bad. And they went, ah, oh, just one thing. We're going to do another new free game coming Resident Evil 8 to celebrate the 25 years of Resident Evil with Reverse. Miles, what was your, your take on this? Uh, who asked for this? <laughs> no one. Like, do people do Capcom know their fan base? It's like if you want online Resident Evil, make it co-op play. Okay. Yes. Stick, Outbreak. Stick in. Outbreak. Yeah. Little mini missions, that sort of thing. Do just remake Outbreak. Remake Outbreak. Yeah. Okay. Right. You've got you want Outbreak. I loved the like. I loved playing split screen raid modes. On yeah. Some other, on like five. Five was the one that introduced. Five done it role for co-op, right? They smashed the Brilliant. co-op. Yeah, you had split screen. You were put in different places in kind of the setting of the levels. Brilliant. Do that online for village. Okay, maybe one person starts on one side of the village or the graveyard, wherever it may be, and someone else starts another set. And you either have like little mini missions or you're actually playing the story somehow. Maybe one is good, one is bad, you know. Make it more immersive. Don't a PvP RE does not work. <laughs> the mean. irony is that five years ago, when they done their twentieth anniversary of Resident Evil, they announced um, what was it called? Operation Raccoon City, which was a PVE online multiplayer set in the world of Resident Evil during the events of Resident Evil One to Two. Uh, and free sorry so that that era of thing basically outbreak before it's about to blow up you can go live some stories uh, you know what else what if sort of scenario and i mean to be honest i'll play that concept and i did play that concept i purchased it for the xbox 360 and i was very disappointed with it but it's i don't get why they're trying to push this narrative of people don't want to play it you don't make money from it you know you don't make money from it by the fact that you stick it in for free with other games what do you hope to achieve and also the look of this game is it cell shaded is it not is it pop like what kind of it's it is it's completely different artwork from village and 
but that, that's okay. It's a different team, different kind of game altogether. The art style kind of reminiscent of the Telltale game series, but it's just not quite there. You know, it, it's yeah. hard. Or in the Marvel versus Capcom games, yeah. they would have the Resident Evil characters playable, and they would be in kind of like a pop comic yeah, art house style to match the comic book characters they're fighting against. It's kind, of, yeah, it's kind of comic, but not as good as some of the other kind of comic book style games that are out there. Uh, yeah. And who again, who wants this? Just, just give yeah. me raid. Give me mini mission co-op as maybe kind of mini missions as part of the main story. Like, you know, you go and play this bit or slightly different kind of outcomes to sections of the main game. Make it fun. I don't just want to sit there and, and shoot zombies and the zombie turns into the nemesis and I have to shoot that again. It's like, Okay, it's a mini game. Stick it in as a. I don't want to play that standalone against other players. It's for me. It's not going to work for me. I'm afraid. Yeah, it's not yeah, really evil. It's again t- to me. It's too action based. It's not horror, scary Resident Evil that I want and love. Yeah, in fact, like I say, I'll I'll take just a great co op in Village. Yeah. And it's basically your maybe you're playing as Ethan and or or Ian and Mia trying to escape the village, or there's a maybe you can do a, a PvP thing with one of you as Chris Redfield, the bad guy, and you are as Chris Redfield, you are hunting Ethan, and Ethan wants to try and get to something which is going to stop Chris from being evil anymore. I don't know, I'm not a writer, but the point is, is that. If you add a narrative element to it, you can invest a little bit and you can immerse yourself in it. And what better way to immerse yourself than the first party orientate? Sorry, the first person orientation they're doing, which speaks actually um, about this. They've not spoken about VR. Now, Resident Evil 7 VR is considered a monumental success in terms of uh, utilizing that tech. No mention of it yet. Do you think there'll be a VR mode? I think they would have mentioned it already. Maybe it's not ready and they'll have uh, like an extension download. Yeah. I mean, it's a, I'm surprised. They've, they've also announced in this showcase, we should say, it's going to be released on, I suppose it's now the previous generation. You can play on your PS4s and, and Xbox Ones. Uh, I think at release as well. He did say like at release it will be available yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, it's not available at the moment for though for the previous generation is that kind of tech demo, the, the maiden tech right. demo where it's showing the kind of engine and, and whatnot. So, but yeah, it's all coming to uh, PS4 and Xbox One as well. But w- mentioning PS4s and Xbox Ones, this RE-verse, there is only previous generation versions of that game. So you buy <laughs> you buy Village for your lovely shiny PS5 if you get your hands on one. Um, or you, you, you can't even play the crappy game they're giving you for free. You, you have, you're ending up playing a PS4 game. Well... That says it all. We know it's going to die a death. And yeah, no one's going to be sitting here in three or four years' time going, I don't want Resident Evil 9, or I don't want a remake of Resident Evil 4. I want an expansion to our reverse. Like, no one's going to be saying this, right? No, no. Give me co-op village, okay? <laughs> that's, oh. that's what we need. Let, let's just wrap this off then. So else in the showcase, we heard a little bit about the Netflix. Um, well, there's loads of Resident Evil things going on with Netflix, but they only spoke specifically about uh, Infinite Darkness, and they gave us a quick little sneak, but it's nothing we haven't already seen before. It, literally, it was like the worst way they could have set this up. They've got a producer just to go, well, first of all, they had the host going, 
Next, we're going to have one of the producers from the movie talking about the new movie in partnership with Netflix, Resident Evil Infinite Darkness. And then this guy has popped up and goes, we're working with Netflix, Resident Evil Infinite Darkness. Bye. <laughs> and it showed us a clip of Claire she looks like, I'll be honest, I do love the CGI Resident Evil movies, but they do look like PS2 cutscenes, uh, cut and this look no different. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to try and find the quote, because it's something, that, I can't remember quite what it says. It's um, a few years after Resident Evil 4, Leon... Basically every movie. Le, yeah, every. Leon um, is involved in yet another zombie outbreak. I mean, that's basically like a... Um, that's like a bruce willis die hard too how can the same shit happen to the same guy twice exactly that is um if if you if, if you have a new neighbor and it, and it turns out to be leon kennedy the zombies are gonna follow him it's, yeah but there's not much details um, i mean look it's gonna it'll come it'll go and it'll have its place in the, the resident evil like cgi movie you know patheon but um I, again i don't think people are gonna be hammering the table so which leads to the kind of overall conclusion of the showcase that it was great to hear and see some details you didn't need to do a massive showcase telling the world this is the, the time to look here but whoops you now like I say, I'll still take it because it's Resident Evil. Um, and yeah, there wasn't really much else from this. Um, what was missing from this that you wanted to hear? Get in contact with us on Twitter at GreyFoxPlays. We're going to pretend that that uh, that we know what's going to happen. Oh, mate, I can't wait to see all that stuff. Can you wait? Can you wait, Mike? No. <laughs> anyway, more importantly, Producer Moles, you know what time it is. You know what time it is. I want to hear you say it time for the wheel that's right the wheel the wheel that is right we have a collection of questions uh, about video games what we love what we hate and everything in between and we have no idea which question we are going to get with no preparation time there's a nice clacker that happens and then we basically use that topic and, and go for it oh, it's ticking away now where's it stop no one knows all right it's just two words best controller <laughs> wow that's bold that's that's bold man that's bold um put that one in there that's hard the best controller who wants to go first okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do an o2 i've got there's two that that spring to mind for me it's the homer simpson car of consoles of the sega dreamcast Oh, here we go again. Yeah. Look, I know I spoke a lot about it last week, so I'm not going to go. If you want to hear my thoughts on the console, listen to it last week. But that controller was beautiful for two reasons. One, the memory card thing was so revolutionary. It's like a little LCD game plugs into it, and it is great. Like I, I generally really, really enjoyed that, and the setup was smooth. I think, dare I say it, it was one of the first to have triggers left and right. Um on the controller as well, as well as having dual um, configuration sticks. But I might be wrong. As you know, the DualShock was what did come along first. Um, either way, I love that controller for the memory stick insert thing alone. That was beautiful. But they did pinch that from the N64, the ability to like plug stuff in. Which I have a feeling you're going to go N64, Mike. Oh, God, no. The N64 controller was abysmal. I, no one had a clue where anything was on that day. Where did you, your hands go? Where did your hands you go? You hold it in a weird way because games would not use the D-pad and you had to use the thing in the middle. It was bizarre. They had the trigger. They had the trigger. The they Z had the trigger. Z trigger. You've got A and B. You've got the C buttons, up C, down C. What were they, were they about? 
You needed a third hand to, to like use all of the controls, didn't you? Uh, weird... Yeah, like if you wanted to use, if you were using the middle analog stick, and then obviously had your hand on the left, the right hand side of the of the of the of the. And of then the that, those, those yellow buttons that was like a directional thing. The, not... So those were the C buttons, but then you could also then use the right bumper because your hand is over there. Try using the left bumper if you're holding on to the middle part of the joystick. It's, it's impossible. So no, I mean look. I have great memories using that controller. Do not get me wrong. Um, but it ain't the best one for me. Um, for me, there's two. Now, obviously, as we haven't used the latest next-gen controllers, I also haven't ever used the Xbox, like, Elite controller, the one that costs, like, you know, 150 By all accounts, they're incredible, though, to be I've heard this. Now, I grew up with PlayStation, okay? We all know this. Whenever I've used an Xbox controller, even when I, I owned an Xbox 360 for several years as my main console, to this day, I have no idea what X, Y, B, and what was the other one? A? <laughs> B? I, I don't know. I don't know what the number, I don't know what colors they are. And if you said to me, press Y, I'm like, where's that then? <laughs> I, I do not so have true, a so clue. And I used it for years. Um, it's the PlayStation 4 controller. I love that controller. That controller does is perfect to me. Okay, I love the triggers. I lo- I don't. Lo- I like the analog sticks in the same place. I don't like this. That that they're not being uh, op- opposite. I like the Xbox controllers where they're, you know. I suppose that's, that, apparently, that's there's ergonomics in that. But I, I get yeah, what you mean. I I've I've you've grown you've grown up using your your dual uh, sticks being in the same spot where your thumbs are when you're holding it. Yeah. you're used to that. Yeah. Now, I will say. That I do think the Switch Pro controller is mm. brilliant. I'm a big, big fan of that controller. But as with Xbox, I have no idea where the where the buttons are. X, Y, A, B, which ones are which? Oh my I don't god! Know. You know when you play a game and it'll go like press Z, R, and like what? Oh, you mean okay, R one? Yeah, I, <laughs> I know what yeah. triangle is. I know where square is. I know where circle is. I know where X is. That's that's what I know, and. Oh, we're not being funny, but that kind of dictates my opinion on this. Yeah, yeah, and I agree to an extent. I do, I do like a bit of innovation in a controller. I applaud the PS4 going at the time when they made this. Touchpads are a thing. We'll put a touchpad in there, and video game developers went, "Well, yeah, all right, we'll do something with it." But then ultimately, it's your map button, and uh, yeah, N64. We're like, okay, we want to make it like a trigger, so you can hold it. You can imagine someone really fought for that in a development meeting of that will become one day uh, your your light gun. You can do something with it. We'll, we'll make an adaption thing you can plug into it. And someone with the the latest PlayStation controller said, "We're going to make something that's also a sex toy," because that's clearly what they've been going for with this haptic feedback stuff. In fact, I'll love to see the product development guy on that controller and interview him or her because i bet you for a fact they went on lovehoney.com clicked on everything and got that delivered to go okay so how does that vibrate how does that go in (laughs) it's a good feedback on that that's that real give the sensation of driving across a cobbled path you know like the amount of thought that goes into these different innovations i i really do applaud do you know what it's just come to me so one of my favorite controllers growing up i got uh when the mega drive went to six buttons right yeah and i I could then finally play street fighter the way it was meant to be played that well that was a game-changing moment for me i have to say but the um no it's, it's, it's growing up it's growing up with what you know um i do i do appreciate the uh the first time for example i was playing uh, the PlayStation, and then uh, I think I might be playing Metal Gear Solid, and someone spoke at me out the speaker. Yes, that amused me. 
endlessly um, and it still does to be honest with you so yeah i like innovation as well um the touch bar thing is just a bit a little bit bizarre but again i have to side with playstation not xbox for the other reason that i don't like having to find batteries yes that is true the xbox 360 controller was infamous for gobbling up batteries wasn't it unless you went and sourced your own power pack and then charged it but even then most people didn't like us you always you always known so if someone had a console in their bedroom because there'll be just a, a elephant's graveyard of the backs of xbox 360 controllers because they got frustrated with it and pulled it apart and then went, and ended up rage quitting if you can on putting batteries in a controller and then just eventually buying another controller like really cheap from blockbuster or something but um i feel like that was a bit of a short one though right so i feel have we got enough time for another spin oh mr moles i'm sorry mr moles go for it no i want to go with mikey as well i want to say that it's the playstation controller because it like what generation uh well that's just all of them basically right so i start a ps1 at the time it was just innovation overload it was like I remember the first time I I'd held one was in, I think it was in a Dixon store. That's how long ago it was. I was like, oh my God, how many buttons have we got? And I attempted to play Wipeout 1. I was like, pressing these buttons, and there's too many buttons. What's going on? But now it's just second nature. And the design, perfect, really. The PS1, it just fitted nicely and then just innovated it every generation. Like then they added the analog sticks as part of the PS1. Then they kind of updated triggers for the ps2 they went wireless with the ps3 they introduced trackpads with the four it's and now in the five they've got the haptics it's just innovation every generation getting better every single time and yet the likes of xbox uh, and and nintendo with their pro controls they almost put it in a in a photocopy machine and you know the photocopies you get out they aren't quite as good as the original and that's why I feel the, the PlayStation. It's like, it is the one. I know oh, you great way of articulating it. That is so true. It's basically, they have been the forefront on a lot of these designs. I know someone might argue with that and give a lot of reasons as to why not. But the truth is, is that this con- nine out of 10 times, those consoles were the most successful with the exception of the PS3, not, not, we well, not winning Xbox one. that and, generation. And surprise. And unsurprisingly, the PS3 controller, I thought was poor. Um, yeah. It didn't feel big enough. It felt kind of flimsy. The analog sticks weren't quite right. I wasn't a fan of that controller at all. But then the PS4 came along and I went, yes, this is now what I'm looking for. Um, one other thing to note on the PlayStation controller, which actually the Switch Pro controller gets right as well, is the D-pad. The hmm. D-pad feels correct. It feels yeah. good to be able to play fighting games with because you can make the half circles very easily. And it's also good to play um, like your Metroidvania style games as well. Very good for things like that. So yeah, big, big fan of that style of controller. That's my pick as well. Fair enough. Well, like I said, that was a bit of a short one, but I do agree with that. Uh, what is your favorite game controllers? Tell us on Twitter at Plays. But boys, you know what? You know what one good, t- what one good spin deserves? Another another <laughs> all right let's go yes 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 okay it's 1998 you go to a blockbuster to rent a game what game are you gonna rent 
Oh, I love it. This one's come out. You suggested this one the other day, Mikey, and I remember thinking, genius, genius, genius. I'm going to be frank. We're all Googling game releases 1998, <laughs> and I don't blame you. So the key thing, what you have to remember is, it being 1998, you don't have... Every um, console available to you. You'd not, but you don't have the internet easily yeah. to be able to scope out scores. You have magazines, right? now. You also only have a weekend to play it. You have you to have return the, it. You have, you have the weekend, but also what... When you went to a blockbuster when you were a kid, what was what was the thing that made you take a plunge on a, on a, on, a, on a movie, for example? It was the box art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's I, also a huge factor in deciding what video game you potentially want to go for. Now, shall we read out some of the video games that came out in those days, or should we? Yeah, just- yeah, yeah. Actually, no. Let's do our picks, and then we'll go through like just a okay. a, a snippet of those. Because what a year for video games. I mean, it's absolutely it's, it's insanity, is what it is. It do, you me, get, do you want me to, to cast my? Do you want me to cast my my vote first? Go ahead. Okay, so I'm basing it on the age I would have been then, which I'm not going to admit, but it, it's probably makes me feel really old. Yeah, I only got a weekend to play it and the box art. I'm going to go with Crash Warped because that for me, even before I knew it, I loved. I knew I loved those Crash Bandicoot games. Uh, I already had Metal Gear Solid. I'm, I'm, I'm putting that in a, in a drawer somewhere because I knew I already had it at that point. But uh, Crash Bandicoot warps because I, I the box art was incredible. Crash Bandicoot on a damn bike. What? There's a driving level as well as as these games that I've only played not too long ago of the other Crash games. For me, like it was incredible, and it was only backed up to be honest how good that game was with the Insane Trilogy. It got remastered a couple of years ago. I adored that game, and the moment when you unlock the bazooka and you're like firing apples like that was such a that was a that was a mind blown like but little adam's <laughs> mind was blown i was like what you can you can do that and wait i can slide a little bit as well like oh, i love that game it was so different to the previous ones as well that's what made it just so much better it's like the previous games yeah you had the you know the, the riding on a tiger or whatever you may have at the time but crash warp just threw more at it um it was just awesome. You had jet skis. Wasn't there a yeah. dinosaur level at one point? Yeah, there was. And all of that was on the box art and on the description at the back. I do. I think I even, I know I definitely rented it in 1998 from a blockbuster. Or it might have been a, a, a spa down the road, you know, Gary Spa, where he's only got a handful of games there, but somehow gets <laughs> the latest release as well. Um, for me, it's that. I, I adored that game. And yeah, you know, over a weekend, you, you have fun. You maybe get a late fee and send it back the day day late. But um Actually, I've got a story about about um, blockbuster rentals. So I used to work in a blockbuster, believe it or not, um, actually, one by Colchester. But anyway, that's for another time. Um, when I was, I can't remember how old I was, must have been about 11 or 12, and uh, Tomb Raider 3, uh, I, I, I used to religiously look out for release dates, not because I wanted to go buy them, because I wanted to go to Blockbuster and rent them because they would always be available on release day to rent as well. And it was on a school day. And I remember uh, being pretending to be ill, like a classic American sitcom in my, in my clothes in bed when my mum's like, you're going to stay in bed. Yeah, that's right. Your nan's going to come around and look after you today. Cause I've got to go to work. All right, mum. And as soon as she's gone out of bed, running down to blockbuster to rent Tomb Raider, I only you know, got it out on my block, on my dad's blockbuster card. And then, um, my dad found out and I got grounded and he found out because he rang up Blockbuster and went, can you tell me when I rented Tomb Raider? I was like, ah, damn it. Got <laughs> caught out that way. But you know what? Worth it. Tomb Raider 3, it was worth getting uh, getting in trouble for. Anyway, that's my Blockbuster story over. Have I vamped enough, boys? Have you got your, your choices? Yeah, man, I've got mine. Do you have yours, Miles? Uh, yeah, it's going to be quite predictable, really. 
Go on. Mine's Resi 2. Ah, oh, on brand. Resi 2. Just... Well, here's, you wouldn't have done that, Moles. Well, I you say I would have done that, but... No, I, you weren't I, old enough. No, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't that. have given it to you. Yeah, no, no, no. But listen, hear me out. I've got two older brothers. Ah, uh, you would have done the, the two brothers on the on the long on the, on each other's shoulders with a long coat scenario. No, no, no. My, my eldest brother is eight years older than me. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, and then the next one up's a few, uh, three years up. So... I would have played the games that they were playing. And that's how it was. You know, I was bottom of the pecking order. I got to my turn once my older brothers had had their turn. That That's just what how it's like with siblings. So I would have watched them play Resi and some gory games. You say gory games, it was like a few red splatters. It's nothing compared to the games nowadays. So, yeah, I probably would have gone. We probably would have gone for Resi too. Having played the first one. Having been a lifelong fan of the series. Solid, solid choice. Yeah. So, going going by the by the assumption that I'm in blockbusters and I'm looking at box art, and I'm looking for things that are going to make me go, "Yeah, man," because I don't have knowledge of the internet. I don't know what's coming up really, other than my you know Games Master magazine or something like that. I would go for X Men versus Street Fighter EX Edition. Oh, mate, that's basically all those letters is enough, isn't it? Do you Just know what I mean? throw those letters together, and you're like, "I want that. I want to play that." Basically perfect. It's on the PlayStation, released in February. Um, it's X-Men. For those of you who know me, I'm a massive X-Men fan. Street Fighter, for those of you who know me, I'm a massive Street Fighter fan. It's ideal. And if I saw that in a shop, that's what I'd be renting that weekend. Hmm. But actually, oh, mate, there is so many uh, different games here, which um, when you look through that 1998 list, I remember going and renting. I remember renting Tenchi Stealth Assassins. I also remember that game sucking for me and I was being terrible at it. But I remember reading it. I loved it, man. Shall I read out from the uh, Metacritic, the top 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 games? Go on then. Here's. So in number 11, I I put this as 11 because it's Banjo-Kazooie, right? So, and that's obviously my favorite game and I wanted it to be included on the list, you see. So yeah, that was released obviously in, 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 in 1998. Then we have Panzer Dragoon Saga. Then we have Starcraft, Street Fighter Alpha 3, Resident Evil 2, Grim Fandango. And then can you guys name the top four? Oddworld. Oddworld, not in it. Metal Gear. Wow. Metal Gear Solid is next. And then we're uh, on the three. Zelda. Zelda. Which Zelda? Uh, Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time is number one. So now we're, we're now we're stuck for number two and number three. Half Life. Half Life is number three. You could have given me a million guesses. I would never have got number two. By the way. I I don't know. Something way out there. Tekken three. I have to say that Tekken 3 is one of the best fighting games that was ever made. <laughs> oh, man. But you also had things like F-Zero was released then. The medieval game, Spyro the Dragon, um, Gex. Do you remember the Gex games? Oh, my God. Enter the Gecko. Live. What so many good games. So many good games. Boulder Gate was released in then as well. You had uh, Link's Awakening, uh, DX, obviously. ISS Pro 98 was released. <laughs> I mean, my Lord. You had so many good games. What a year! So many games. Hey, I I applaud. And actually, it would have come out the year before. But FIFA '98, probably yeah, one of the greatest football games I have ever played. 
I love that game so, so much. Um, yeah, like, oh my God, so many innovations, right? Uh, Rogue Squadron, that was like epic for a lot of people. Um, I also, I, I'll, I can say it now because uh, it's, it's Statue of Limitations. I had a chipped PlayStation. Did you? Did either of you guys have a chipped console? I didn't. I didn't. No. So my, my chipped console wasn't a regular because there'd, there'd always be a guy. Your dad knew a guy at work. And my dad used to know a guy at work who had this cheap console cartridge thing. And you plug it in the back and you have to put a spring on the, when you opened up a PlayStation, there's like a little button that says when it's closed, you have to put a spring on the thing. So that way you can put a disc in, it'll then spin around and then stop. And then you can take the disc out and put in your copied game. And uh, I, I, I had a bunch of games, but I also had a bunch of imported games. And although it's, it's on the list for 1998, it did not come out in the UK. It's called Parasite Eve. And I had the the Japanese version of that game, and I absolutely loved it. I had no chuffing idea what was going on, mind, because it was all in Japanese. But I I, I played it. I, I played it to death. I, I absolutely adored it. And um, yeah, oh my god, nineteen ninety eight. I know we sound like old men. I enjoy things I remember, but like I really do enjoy those things I remember because they're damn good. The fact that we're playing most of that IP. 30 years later still in some size shape or form shows you how good that was i'd love to see we should have said this game's ripe for a remaster i want to see gex come back man like they done that sequel didn't they with um cat from red dwarf done the voice of gex in the sequel <laughs> i don't remember that i don't remember really randomly out of nowhere in fact we did have spyro remastered we did have crash bandicoot remastered so let's let's get the train going man give us what gex. are you waiting for banjo kazooie <laughs> oh my god well anyway also pokemon yellow came out in 98 what? wow yeah pokemon yellow came out in 1998 as well and um, what other games from 1998 would you have rented in your blockbuster a blockbuster if you don't know what that is it's that place you used to go to get dvds and uh and rent them out oh, sorry vhs's vhs's are what dh uh, dvds used to be uh, dvds are what streaming used to be before there was the internet anyway uh, look it up it's interesting uh, get in contact with us on twitter at gray fox plays and that is the end of this episode i want to take a moment to thank my co-host mr michael carl edwards aka michaelness how can people find you you can find me at on twitter at magnificent duke or listen to my other podcast uh pod of two halves all things football there we go and the man in the chair the producer of them all the orchestrator of orchestrators mr john moles how you doing buddy yeah, I'm good. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. And Can't I'm... wait to hear you in the engine room again. Yeah, I'll be shoveling coal for you boys. <laughs> <laughs> There's something really... That sounded a lot dirtier than you meant it to sound. Anyway, till next time, be clever, wear a mask, keep two metres apart, stay safe. Stay safe.